Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. So welcome to 12 Stone here across the campuses. Good to see y'all. So glad you're here. Let me just pause for a second. It's that time in the college football season where people are either really happy or really sad. Look at your neighbor and just let them know. Like, if you're team one, give them the thumbs up. If not, thumbs down. I got some Florida fans up front. We'll pray for you later. There will be a chance to receive Christ at the end. God bless you. Um, Georgia fans were this for the first half and and all smiles for the the second. Man, so glad that you're with us. Today we have something, a bunch of stuff we're celebrating, but we here across the campuses, we get to celebrate a really important anniversary. It was a year ago this weekend that we launched our Jackson County campus. And so here across the campuses, can we celebrate them? Man, we're so proud of what God's doing in Jackson County. We celebrate with you. And uh, just in the past year, over 75 people have come to Christ, and we celebrate that. And we, and we exist for that reason, right? To see people come into a, a knowledge of God and a following of Jesus, and he will change your life from the inside out. And in fact, you're going to have an opportunity to do that before you leave today. In just a minute, I'm going to invite Pastor Steve Walton to come up and teach, but I wanted to just pause for a second and just celebrate what God's doing because God is moving and there's people that were far from him that now know God. There's people that were stuck in sin and bondage that have found freedom. There's people who were sort of aimless, who are discovering their purpose. And there's people who didn't really make an impact and now are living a life that they make a difference. And that's why in great part, we are here and we're celebrating again last weekend, 70 more people said yes to Jesus. And next weekend, we're going to do something called open baptism. And you're like, wait, what is that? Some of y'all know it because you're going, it's it's basically you show up next weekend and you may or may not know if you're getting baptized or not. (laughs) And and you're going to show up in your street clothes and go, what do I do? We got clothes clothes covered for you. We got to change the clothes for you. It is a a celebration weekend where people who have come to Christ are going to go public with their faith and we're going to party across all the campuses and celebrate salvation coming to the house. And we are so fired up for that. So you're going to want to be here next weekend for open baptism. Now we're in a series where we're, we're call it 12 stone tailgate. One, we love football and, and two, we, we love dads and we're going to be speaking directly to dads today. And now we're, we're talking to everybody, but we're sort of doing it through the conversation with dads and ladies. I've gotten a few emails. Thank you. And here's what you need to know. We love you too. And we're going to do a night of worship in November just for the ladies. So ladies, I want to hear you cheer a little bit. Come on now. There's way less baritone and bass in that. That's good. That's, that's way prettier than us guys. So, so we, we love you, man. We're going to take care of you guys as well. We're going to serve you as well. But we're, we're sort of pointing this series to dads because I believe that if God would get a hold of dads, he could change families and communities and cities and counties and states, and he could change the world. And, and we believe that if dads had the tools to lead spiritually, they would do it, man. Like when I talk to dads, they're asking questions like, just help me. I, I, I want to do it. I don't know what to do. And so that's in great part why next Sunday night, we're doing something called right night, R-I-T-E, right night. It's like, think about it like a, a rite of passage moment. 
And dads, if you are the father of student-age kids, 6th grade to 12th grade, we're inviting you, and we're going to not physically hold your hand, but we're going to walk you through a really meaningful, sacred experience with your kids, and we're going to help take all, we're going to demystify this whole spiritual leadership thing for you and help give you the tools you need, and I think it's going to be meaningful. And so dads, if you want to sign up, there's already some 500 dads that have signed up, but if you want to sign up, text DADS to 37748, and dads, let me just talk to you for a second. We're not good at RSVP. I don't know about you. My wife plans my life for me, right? So you're there like, we'll figure it out. Can you let us know? Be super helpful so we can plan for you next weekend. Like get your phone right now. Text dads to 37748. And we want to be ready to serve you here and across all the campuses next Sunday night at seven o'clock for right night. We love what God's going to do there. But today we are in week two of three of our 12 Stone Tailgate series with my good friend, Stevie B, yeah. Steve Walton, love you, dude. Would you help me welcome Steve here across the campus? Bring it, bro. Thank you. Hey, so, uh, so let me tell you where we're going today. Today, we're going to start off by talking about this phrase, follow your heart, follow your heart, okay? Now, uh, we are in this tailgate series, so you should know this about me. Uh, my heart is with UGA, and I followed it all the way to Athens, Okay. Uh, my wife, I know, again, Florida fans in the front, but that's okay. My wife and I uh, both went to UGA. It's actually where we met. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big college football guy, okay? Now, admittedly, when we were students there, um, we were, uh, the football team, we were good, not great. You know what I mean? Like, we were okay, but now, back-to-back natties, okay? It's great to be a Georgia Bulldog. It's great. Now, um, so that was, that was kind of, you know, my story, and that's why, you know, I love being a part of UGA, but I should clarify something with you real quick. Um, I was a student there, uh, but I was not on the football team, which I can tell, don't act so surprised. Yeah, I was not, I was not on the football team, uh, so I wasn't really on the field. Uh, my role was really right here in the stands. And uh, I, I got to, uh, actually as a student, I went to every single home game. Uh, I went to a few of the away games, and I'm telling you, I was all in. Uh, in fact, uh, have you guys seen those people that, like, they stand in the front row and they paint their chests? You know, okay. Yeah, that was me. Uh, this, is, uh, this is me when I was at, can you guys spot which one I am? Yeah, look at that. We're going to zoom in for you. Uh, there it is. I know. Thank you. I know you didn't think you'd get to see your pastor shirtless this morning, did you? That's a, uh, that's a good thing. Okay, take that down. Take that down. Okay, so, so I got to be on the stands, and here's what's great about being in the stands. And if you've ever been to a football game or any sort of sporting event, you know this. The great thing about being in the stands is when you're in the stands, you get to follow your heart. You know what I mean? Like, you get to let the emotions lead the way. And so when your team scores a touchdown, what do you do? Well, you hug strangers. That's what you do, because it feels good, right? And then when your team is behind, what do you do? You want to fire the coach, you know? You just, you just do whatever feels good. In fact, I've been to games where, you know, when we're kind of trailing, I watch fans leave the stadium early. Now, why do they leave early? Because they're just doing whatever they feel. I mean, they're following their heart right out of the stadium, right? When you're in the stands, you get to follow your heart. But when you're on the field, 
you don't get that luxury, right? Like when you're actually playing the game, you don't get to just follow your heart. Like if you're the quarterback and you throw it to a wide open receiver and they drop the ball, you don't get to hold a grudge against that guy because you got to play the next down with him and you might actually throw it to him again, right? And listen, if you're playing the game and your team is behind, you don't get to just leave the stadium, right? You don't get to just follow your heart because when you're on the field, if you follow your heart, you lose. And listen, it's the same way for life. It's the same way. Like, like in the stands, you get to let your emotions lead the way, but you just can't do that for parenting. And you can't do that for marriage. <laughs> you can't do that for life. And here's why I bring this up. Because what we normally hear is this phrase, follow your heart. In fact, this might be advice that someone gave you whenever you were in the middle of making like a really tough decision. Man, you should just follow your heart. Maybe this is advice that you've given someone else. I know what you should do. You should follow your heart. This might actually be the thing that you told yourself to justify a questionable decision. Hey, I'm just trying to follow my heart. Just follow your heart. And listen, when I say your heart, what I mean is your, your emotions, your feelings, your desires, your passion, you know? It's like, if you really want it, you should go do it. I mean, if it feels good, do it. Or in the words of the great theologian, Cheryl Crow, um, she said this, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad, right? Come on, just follow. I know some of you are going to sing that now, right? It's like, just follow, just follow your heart. But you're smart. You know this, right? Like, your heart is not always the best guide. Like sometimes your heart wants the wrong thing. Sometimes your heart leads you to make the wrong decision. In other words, sometimes it made you happy, but it is that bad because your heart isn't always the best guide. Sometimes your heart will lie to you. And this actually is not new. This comes directly from a prophet in scripture, a guy named Jeremiah who lived six hundred years before Jesus said this. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things. In other words, it's going to lie to you. You can't always trust it. And beyond cure, who can understand it? Man, if you follow your heart, sometimes you're going to make the wrong decision. Your heart and my heart is not always a good guide. And just come on, let's be honest for a second. How many of you have ever followed your heart and then immediately regretted the decision, right? Yeah, some of us, that's college, you know? It's like you're just doing whatever feels good, and you regret it. This is such a common thing. Listen, we're talking to dads, and again, we're talking to everybody, but this is true for dads and moms, husbands, wives, empty nesters. If you're widowed, I mean, if you're, if you're a student, if you're single like a Pringle and ready to mingle, you know? This applies to you. You know what it's like to just follow whatever you're feeling, to just follow your heart, and then you regret it. And I actually think regret is proof that your heart and my heart doesn't always know what's best. And if you just hitch your life to whatever you're feeling and whatever your heart wants, you'll end up with a mountain of regret. I had a moment like this uh, recently, actually, with my, with my kids. Um, it was Labor Day. And I had plans that day to be a great dad, okay? I, 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 um, I cleared some stuff out of the schedule so I could spend the day with my boys. We were going to go bike riding in the morning. 
um, before it got too hot, and then we were going to come home, and we were going uh, we to make some smoothies. Um, my middle son, Anchor, he calls it smooth. So we were going to make some smooth at home because they love it. Um, we were going to play some games. We were going to, you know, go to the pool. Like, it was going to be a great day. I had great plans for the day, and it would have worked if it weren't for my kids. Um, how many of you ever felt like that? Like, I'd be a great parent if it weren't for my kids. <laughs> I know. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't know what got into them that day, but they were little monsters, man. Like, I love my kids, don't get me wrong, but my goodness, that day they spent more time in timeout than out of timeout. Like, they just lived in timeout. They were bickering with each other. They were shouting at each other. They were disobedient. They were rude. They had terrible attitudes. It's like all day it was like this. And as the day wore on, my emotions started getting into it. Dads, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like at the beginning of the day, I'm cool, calm, and collected. But as the day wore on, I started getting more and more frustrated. I started taking things more and more personal. And every time they were rude or disobedient, like I felt it more. And my blood started to boil. And I'm getting frustrated until finally, man, I snapped. And they're, and they're like shouting at each other. And I run in the living room. And I start shouting at them. And I'm pointing at them. And I'm saying whatever I'm thinking. I'm saying whatever I'm feeling I'm saying whatever is in my heart. And after I was done venting, I didn't feel better. I felt worse. I felt regret. Dad, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because that's not the dad I want to be. That's not the dad I set out to be that day. That's not... Man, that's not who I want to be. And I was following my heart, and it led me to regret. My heart had lied to me. My heart was deceitful. And now I had regret. And if I just kept following my heart, and if I keep following my heart, I'm going to end up with a mountain of regret. So will you. See, if I just do whatever I'm feeling, it's going to take me away from the very picture that I want. Because when feelings run your life, Feelings ruin your life. When feelings run your life, I'm telling you, it's going to ruin. If you just hitch your life to whatever you're feeling, whatever emotion you have, whatever your heart is telling you to do, you're going to regret it. And it's going to take you away from the very picture that you're trying to build. And here's what I mean. Um, last week, Pastor Jason talked about how it helps for us to have a, a picture of the future. You remember this, right? Um, it's like when you're a parent, uh, it, it is a it is a long term investment in your kids, right? It doesn't you don't get the payoff of 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 what you're doing with your kids until not years, but decades later. So it is a long term investment, and the stuff that you're doing right now with your kids is not going to pay off. You're not going to see the reward of it until decades down the road. And so what Pastor Jason told us is it's helpful to have a picture of the future. I was actually talking to a guy in my small group, and uh, uh, you, you know, after the message, he said, man, I want to have a picture. I want to have that picture. And so he started praying, man, what's the, what's the picture that I can aim at? And he texted me a few days later. He said, I know what it is. It's me and my son, and I'm standing next to him on his wedding day, and I'm his best man. Isn't that a good picture? And again, he can't force that to happen, and he's not going to force that to happen, but it's a reminder of what's at stake. It's a reminder that in the day-to-day -day parenting, there is a picture ahead of what 
you are aiming at. And so it's helpful for all of us to have a picture of where we're going. But then the problem is life happens, right? And the problem is your kids are fighting with each other and they're shouting at each other. And when they do that, you feel frustrated, right? Or maybe it's like you and your wife are fighting with each other and you're having the same argument over and over and over again. And so you feel angry, right? Or maybe, maybe things at work are not going the way that you wish it would. Or maybe you keep telling your kids the same thing over and over and over again, and they're just not listening. And so you feel discouraged. And what Jeremiah is saying is, if you follow these feelings, they will take you away from the very picture that you're trying to build. In other words, listen, if you and your spouse are fighting and you just let anger win the day, you just give full vent to your anger, it's not going to bring you closer to your spouse. It's going to take you further away. And when that takes you further away, the emotion of anger is going to lead you to the emotion of loneliness. And then the more lonely you feel, by the way, you might not have known this, but lonely is a gateway drug to lust. And now you've got a picture that you're trying to build, but if you just follow your heart and follow your emotions, it's going to take you away from the very picture that you're trying to build. And that's why Jeremiah said, I'm telling you, your heart and my heart is deceitful. Don't follow your heart. And dads, come on. We're not in the stands anymore, right? You don't just do whatever you feel like doing. In other words, dads, you're in the game. It's your kids. It's your wife. It's your family. It's your picture. And if you just follow your heart on the field, you're going to lose. You're going to lose the relationship with the kids. You're going to lose the relationship with your wife. You're going to lose the very picture that you're trying to to build. And so Jeremiah would say, come on, don't follow your heart. So, so if we're not supposed to follow our heart, then what do we do? In other words, if I can't trust my heart, what can I trust? And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do, I want to help us with something real practical, because sometimes it helps instead of just following our heart, it helps us to kind of guard our lives from our heart, because sometimes our heart wants the wrong thing. So I want to give you kind of a principle. This is something that Catherine and I try to do. Okay. And hopefully this is helpful for you today. So here's the principle. <clears throat> Decide how to win it before your heart's in it. I know it's che It's so cheesy. I get it. It's very cheesy. But here's why I made it rhyme. The reason I made it rhyme is so that you and I would remember it because I sometimes have problem remembering things. So decide how to win it before your heart's in it. Here's what I mean. Decide what you're going to do before the heat of the moment. Decide what you're going to do before your emotions get entangled in the moment. Before your heart gets in it, pre-decide what you're going to do. And by the way, this is what the best teams do. You know this, right? It's like when the team, you know, it's fourth and two and the game's on the line. The best teams don't just decide what to do in the heat of the moment. It's not like it's fourth and two and they're like, guys, what do we feel like doing right now? The game's on the line. How are you feeling? No, that's not what they do. Instead, what they do is they practice ahead of time what you're going to do on fourth and two when the game's on the line. 
And they run that play over and over and over again in practice so that in the heat of the moment, when it's fourth and two and the game's on the line, they're not going, what should we do? They're going, guys, run the play. Because we've pre-decided. Decide how to win it before your heart's in it. So let me give you just a few practical ways that um, Catherine and I try to do this, okay? And by the way, what I'm going to show you, this is not like gospel, you know? It's not like you have to do it this way. This is just something to get you thinking about how you and I can pre-decide, how we can decide how to win it before our heart's in it. So here's the first one. Saturday family day. Um, I want to be a dad who is present with my kids. So we have pre-decided that Saturday is going to be family day. So Saturday is not the day that I work on a personal hobby. Saturday is not the day that I try to catch up on work. Saturday is not the day that I'm hanging out with a bunch of friends. Saturday is family day. We've pre-decided because I want to be a good dad, a dad who is present. And, and the reason we do this is, is because I don't want it to be a game day decision. In fact, some of you have even reached out to me and like, hey, can we get together on Saturday? And again, I don't mean to be rude, but I've said, no, I have plans. This is my plans. We've, we've already pre-decided. And listen, if you don't pre-decide, someone else is going to decide for you. So we've decided because I want to be present with the kids, Saturday is just going to be family day. So decide how to win it before your heart's in it. Okay, that's the first one. Here's the second one. Monthly budget. Yeah, I can hear the groans here and across the campuses. Okay, yeah. You love it when pastors talk about money and especially when we bring up budget. It's like your favorite tie. It's probably what you and your wife are fighting about. Okay, anyways. Um, so monthly budget. What is a budget other than pre-deciding before your heart's in it? Pre-deciding what you're going to spend before the heat of the moment, right? By the way, this is why you don't go grocery shopping hungry, right? It's like you got to decide beforehand. And so for my wife and I, we have a monthly budget that we live according to. And so we decide before the month gets here, here's where we're going to put the money that we're going to make that month. We've pre-decided. We actually had a moment uh, this is like five years ago. We were shopping at Costco and I, I, I was like, like, I really wanted a cooler. We had a small little old cooler uh, at home, but I wanted like kind of a bigger cooler for the family. And so we're shopping in Costco and I look over and I see this big cooler. And by the way, you know, it's big because it was at Costco, you know, it's like big enough for 12 families. Okay. So anyways, it's like a big old cooler. And the best part was it was UGA branded. So, so, you know, my heart's in it, you know, I'm like, yeah. And of course the price tag was enormous, but I'm like, come on, it's UGA. And so, and so I look over at Catherine, I'm like, Catherine, come on, look, what do you think? Think we should get it? And here's what Catherine said. <clears throat> Do you want to get that cooler or do you want our kids to go to college? <laughs> By the way, the answer is both. Uh, you know, it's like, obviously. Yeah. Okay. By the way, I love it. I love that she said, like, she broke the tension of the moment with that. Here's why she said this. Because she was reminding me of what we had already pre-decided. That in our monthly budget, we have money set aside for our kids' college. And we have money set aside for frivolous spending, like spending on that cooler. And that cooler was way outside of the budget of our frivolous spending. And she was reminding me, hey, remember, we already decided. So what do you want to do? Do you want to rob the kids' college or do you want to just say no? 
because we pre-decided. Decide how to win it before your heart's in it. Okay, here's the last one. No secrets in marriages. No secrets. Um, we learned a while ago that a secret life destroys intimacy and it destroys marriages. So we've decided uh, no secrets. And practically, here's what we've pre-decided is that Catherine has full access to my phone. Because you know what this is? This is like a secret keeping device. This is just, it's just me. So, I, so we decided ahead of time, Catherine, you have the passcode. In fact, she has the password to everything. And so it's like, you know, you have this and um, I'll even leave the phone lying around. Like some of you know this about me that I'll plug in my phone at night and it's plugged in in the living room. Okay, it's in a public space. And, um, and I've, I've told her, I said, hey, by the way, if you ever want to just snoop around on my phone, do it. Because no, no secrets in marriage. Why? Because I know my heart. And my heart is deceitful. And I don't trust my heart in the heat of the moment when I've got a secret device that no one else sees. So instead of just trusting that I'm going to make the right decision when no one's looking and no one has access, I have pre-decided no secrets in marriage. So she has full access. Because we've decided beforehand, decide how to win it before your heart's in it, because my heart is deceitful and I'm not going to follow my heart in the heat of the moment. So don't follow your heart. So now the question, if we're not supposed to follow our heart, then what do we do? In other words, if I can't trust my heart, then what can I trust? And a guy named Solomon answered that very question. Solomon, by the way, wisest man who ever lived. He was king over all of Israel, but not only was he king, he was a dad. And at one point, he wanted to give the best advice that he could to his kids. And so he tried to write down all of his best advice to hand off to his kids. And that's where the book of Proverbs comes from. It's not just some king writing to his nation. It's a dad writing to his kids. And the thesis statement of the book of Proverbs is this right here. Trust in the Lord. Some of you have heard this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. My gosh, this is so rich. I'm telling you. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. Notice that when he's talking to his son, he doesn't say, hey, son, trust in your heart with all your heart. No, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And not only that, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't just trust that you're going to make the right decision in the moment. Don't follow your emotions. Don't follow your feelings. Don't follow your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, here's what you should do. Submit to him in all your ways, with all your emotions, with all your relationships, with all your decision making. Submit not to yourself, not to your heart, not to what your friends think. Submit to him. And then he will make your path straight. He will lead you to the picture that you want for your future. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, man, this, this should be your motto. This should be like your mantra. Listen, 
Don't follow your heart. Submit your heart to God. Don't just follow whatever you feel in the moment. Say, God, I give you my heart. I give you my emotions. I give you my decision-making. God, I'm looking to you, not to me. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm telling you, this should be our motto. I'm not going to follow my heart. I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to follow my heart. I'm going to submit my heart to him. And you've heard us say things like this before, right? Don't try to do it your way. Try to do it his way. Jesus literally taught us to pray this way. He said, not my will, but who? Your will. I'm not going to follow my heart. I'm going to submit my heart to God. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, man, this, that should be the way that we live. But if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you might be asking, why do I have to do that? <laughs> you know, why can't I just figure it out on my own? Why can't I just try harder? You know, why can't I just work and behave the right way to help my heart get better? Well, here's why. We actually already read this. This is from Jeremiah. It says the heart is deceitful above all things. We've been talking about that, but look at that next line. And beyond cure. Beyond cure. In other words, your heart isn't just like a little bit sick. It's terminal. You can't behave your way into a better heart. You can't just work at it and try to get restraints around you to make your heart better. In other words, your heart doesn't just need restraining. It needs rescuing. Because your heart and my heart, not only is it deceitful, but it is beyond cure. It's a death sentence, and you can't just work your way or try your way or behave your way into a clean heart. It's beyond cure. In fact, this is what the Apostle Paul said. He says, as for you, you were dead beyond cure. He's like, your heart, I'm telling you, it needed resuscitating. It was beyond cure. Why? Because of your transgressions and sins. In other words, just doing whatever you feel like, just following your heart right into regret. And so your heart was dead beyond cure um, in your transgressions and sins. All of us also lived among them at one time. And look at this. Doesn't this sound like what we've been talking about? Gratifying the cravings of our flesh, right? Just doing whatever we feel like doing and following its desires and thoughts. Just doing whatever I'm feeling like. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. In other words, we have followed our hearts and it has led us to regret. We've followed our hearts and it led us to yelling at our kids. It led us to lying. It led us to cheating. It led us to fighting with our spouse or it led us to divorce and it led us to estranged relationships. It led us to regret. It led us to addiction. We just followed our heart right into these things. This is, by the way, this is like the Dr. Phil moment. It's like, oh, you've been following your heart? How's that working for you? Are you grateful for all the decisions that you've made when you just let yourself be your own guide? You just let your heart be your own guide? And then that last line, it says, we were by nature deserving of wrath. In other words, we didn't just mess up the relationships around us because we followed our heart. We messed up the one relationship that matters most, which is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That we followed our heart right into rebellion against him. 
And our heart is beyond cure. In other words, our heart is the problem, but our heart is not the solution. But, I love this next line, but the verse goes on, but because of his great love for us, whew, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive, even though, alive with Christ, even though you were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace that you have been rescued because your heart didn't just need restraining. It needed rescuing. And that's exactly what God did. Listen, your heart got you into this mess. And then God's heart for you is the thing to get you out of the mess. That because of his great love for you, he set out a plan to rescue you, to save you. And here's that plan in like one sentence. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, his own heart for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still disobedient, while we were still piling up regret, while we were still ruining relationships, while we were still following our heart, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here's the story. You and I have sinned followed our heart right into rebellion against God, ruining the relationships around us. And our heart was the problem, not the solution. We were the problem, not the solution. And we couldn't do anything about it, but God did. He did what you and I couldn't do. Came to the world that he created. Lived a perfect life. And then he took the punishment that you and I deserved. Remember that verse, we were by nature, objects deserving wrath. The death that we should have died is the very death that Jesus died in our place. It was his heart for us that led us to rescue. And so Jesus died for you and for me, taking the very penalty of the decisions that we've made. And then he rose again and offers you rescue. And today, if you walked in here, not a follower of Jesus, and you walked in here and maybe you weren't even sure what you thought about God or if you even believed in God, but right now, man, your heart is like beating out of your chest and you're like, I'm done. I can't do it my way anymore. And today you have a chance to submit your life to him. So here's the decision before you. You could keep doing life your own way. Keep following your heart. Keep trying to get better. Or you could say, I surrender. I submit. I believe Jesus died for me, and so I'm not going to do things my way anymore. And if you're ready to make that decision right now, I want to just show you a prayer. They're going to put it up on the screen. And by the way, there's nothing magical about these words, but this is like a roadmap for you, for the prayer of your heart, if you're ready to make that decision. So here it is. Dear Heavenly Father, I've followed my heart and I've sinned against you and I cannot fix my heart on my own. I need you to rescue me. I believe Jesus gave his life so that I can be forgiven. I believe he died on the cross, rose again, and invites me to follow him. So I submit my heart and my life to you. 
I'm not in charge of my life anymore. You are. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. And for some of you, that's the decision that you're ready to make. And so if that's you, in just a moment, we're all going to read this together here and across the campus. Um, we're all going to read this. But listen, if that is your prayer, then as you say this out loud, now I'm telling you, you got to mean it. God, I'm done trying to do things on my own. I submit my life to you. So here, across all the campuses, let's read this prayer out loud together. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I have followed my heart and sinned against you, and I cannot fix my heart on my own. I need you to rescue me. I believe Jesus gave his life so that I can be forgiven. I believe he died on the cross, rose again, and invites me to follow him. So I submit my heart and my life to you. I am not in charge of my life anymore. You are. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And for some of you, that's the prayer of your heart. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now to respond. Right in front of you here across all the campuses, go ahead, grab this card. This is the Connect card. Everyone here, go ahead and grab this card. Even while I'm talking right now, you can do that. Grab this card. And if this is the decision that you just made, I want you to check that box that says, I recently made a decision to follow Jesus. And then you're going to fill out your info right here. And here's why you're filling that out, okay? Because you're not in this alone. We are here with you as you are committing to follow after Jesus. And so in just a moment, the ushers are going to come forward. They're going to pass the baskets. You're going to take this card, and you're going to drop that in the offering basket. In fact, here across the campuses, bands, you can go ahead and get up on the stage. We're going to give you a chance to respond. But right now, if this was the decision that you made, don't miss this moment. Go ahead, grab that card. In fact, some of you, especially guys, come on, dads, some of you are like, I'm not going to grab that card in front of other people. Hey, who cares what they think? In fact, I'll go ahead and tell you what they think. If they see you grab that card, they're going to go right on, man. It's exactly right. I'm telling you, this is the best decision that you could make to say, God, I submit to you. I'm going to follow you. I'm done trying to do this on my own. And so go ahead, grab that card, fill it out. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then maybe for you right now, you put that card back, you grab an offering envelope. Because listen, the gospel always demands a response. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, what that means is you've submitted your whole life to him. Your emotions, your heart, your decision-making, your relationships, and your finances. We already talked about pre-deciding. Catherine and I have pre-decided, God, you get our first and our best, even with our finances. And some of you followers of Jesus, you've made that same decision. And so in just a moment, the ushers are going to pass baskets. The band is going to lead us in a song, and this is your moment to respond. Some of you in here for the first time, you're saying yes to Jesus. I'm ready to submit my whole life to him. Others of you followers of Jesus, you're saying, God, I submit my finances to you. I give you every part of my life. So no matter who you are right now, this is your chance to respond. Yeah. <laughs> 
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.